welcome to the Poetry Exchange. I'm Fiona Bennett. And I'm Michael Schaefer. It's been a while. It feels longer than a month, actually. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? We have seen each other in yeah. that time. That's right. Well, we saw each other at Latitude, of course. Mm. We need to report back from our adventures in a field in Suffolk. We do. It was quite an adventure, wasn't it, Michael? It was an adventure. We were in an enormous tent. <laughs> they changed the names of the tents, so it was still the listening post, but it was in a huge tent this time. It was quite scary, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was a proper big space, and we, for, for various reasons, COVID being one of them inevitably, uh, we found ourselves without any guests, and so we had slightly uh, anticipated that that might happen. So we had prepared and we had half a dozen poems each that we'd carefully selected and that we read to our audience in the massive tent. I think it went down really well, Fee. Oh, it was incredible. It was an incredible experience to, um, to bring the poetry to Latitude. It was a sort of medley of poetry. Mostly of poems that had been brought to us through this process of asking people about a poem that's been a friend to them. Mm. So we were sort of passing on the friendship which was very warmly received by the good people of Latitude. It was really, really special. And in fact, Michael, it was so special that I wrote the Frank O'Hara-inspired poem for you. And um, I know that you're probably not going to want me to do this, but I thought I might just read it to you. Oh, Fiona. So it's your wonderful work. So yeah, that would be amazing. Well, I'm going to read it to you. You're you're going to blush, but that's okay because nobody can see you. Okay. Reading poems with you for Michael after Frank O'Hara. Reading poems with you is even more fun than going to New York, Mexico, Fire Island, Cuba, or Toronto, or being sick to my stomach on Ocean Avenue in Santa Monica. Partly because in your navy shirt you look like a better, happier Bob Dylan. Partly because of my love for you. Partly because of your love for oat milk. Partly because of the crackle in the air just before or after each syllable you utter. Partly because of the secrecy our smiles take on before microphones and behind pages. It is hard to believe when I'm with you that there can be anything as still, as solemn, as unpleasantly definitive as air, when right through it in the warm latitude 2.35pm light, our voices are lilting back and forth between each other like branches swaying in their pyjamas. And the concerto seems to have no harmony in them at all, just notes you suddenly wonder why in the world anyone ever played them. I listen to you, and I would rather listen to you than all the actors in the world except possibly for Mark Ruffalo occasionally. And anyway, he's a Hollywood actor, which, thank heavens, you haven't gone to yet, so we can save that for another time. And the fact that you move so beautifully more or less takes care of gender politics. Just as at home I never think of Tracy Emmons' You Came For Me At Night or, at a rehearsal, a single line of Pinter or Beckett that used to wow me. And what good does all the research of the postmodernists do them when they never got the right justice when the caretaker came into the kitchen? Or, for that matter, Robert De Niro when he didn't pick the drink as carefully as the barstool? It seems they were all cheated of some marvellous listening, which is not going to go wasted on me. 
which is why I'm writing this poem about it. Ah, oh, Fee. Wow. That's just amazing. It's just amazing. And if, if, if anyone's sort of slightly confused at all, I would recommend that you go and find Having a Coke With You by Frank O'Hara. It was one of his lunch poems. It was in the collection Lunch Poems. And it's a poem that I enjoy reading. And, and it was one of the poems that I read at Latitude this year. And so, yeah, to have that... Uh, how, is there a proper word for what you've done there, Faith? Oh, using Using someone's poem as a, as a, as a basis for your own and a, adapting somebody else's poem. I think they're probably... Fiona's I'm sure done the most extraordinary... Is. Yeah. Well, no, I haven't really. I've just completely lent on Frank O'Hara unashamedly, and that and that's really the point of it. It's is the celebration of you and Frank O'Hara. But you know, sometimes people will write this kind of poem in a more jumped-off way. This this is very much a full template used. So yeah. it it is really I think the word for this is cheating actually Michael, but um, <laughs> <laughs> that's the technical word for what I did there. But, no, but I was very very you know. moved by that fee. That was absolutely when I I got this through the post and when 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 I opened it and read it I was absolutely I was really really moved by it and I am blushing now. So <laughs> thank you so much Fiona. That's really beautiful. Well, it you know, it's nice to be able to mark a moment when it's an extraordinary moment, and it was extraordinary to read poems with you at Latitude. So we've and, and got with you. yeah, mm, we've got lots going on to get on with here. We've got this amazing episode to bring, haven't we? Yeah, we have indeed an amazing episode, an extraordinary poem, and an extraordinary uh, woman that brought it to us. Should we? Should, should we just dive in, Faye? I think that's probably a really great idea. So you're going to be listening to myself and Fiona talking about Eve Remembering by Toni Morrison, the poem that's been a friend to Maria. So it would be really lovely if you could give it a reading for us. Yes, of course. Uh, Apologies for my thick accent. My husband, he's British. My daughter, she's British Brazilian, and he said, "Mom, because I I elongate my vowels. You know, vowels for for Latin people, as you you might know, is they are eternal. But the the elongation of the vowel is actually the perfect thing for poetry. Mm. So oh really? Yeah. <laughs> so okay. So let's see how it goes. I tore from a lean fruit that had lost its green. My hands were warmed by the heat of an apple, fire red and humming. I beat sweet power to the core. How can I say what it was like? The taste, the taste undid my eyes and led me far from the gardens planted for a child to wilderness deeper than any master's call. Now these cool hands guide what they once caressed. Lips forget what they have kissed. My eyes now pull their light. Better the summit to see. I will do it all over again. Be the harbor and set the sail. Lose the breeze and harness the gale. 
cherish the harvest of what I have been. Better the summit to scale, better the summit to be. Beautifully read. That was a wonderful reading, Maria. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so, Maria, tell us when you first met this poem. I met recently, I met probably during my first second sabbatical when I had a, a big operation um, in December. Hmm. And I didn't, I didn't read a lot of Toni Morrison. So only now I'm reading Beloved. Hmm. But she has always been a very strong figure for me. It's how unapologetic she is when it comes to race. She's very clear. And, and I think that's what misses sometimes, you know, because the emotion blurs everything. You go through the experience and it's very difficult to be precise in your words, to be surgical. And I think that's what Tony um, managed to do. So just like some people, oh, I go to the Bible or go to the Quran, I go to Tony when I don't know what to say because I know that she's going to have the words that I won't be able to articulate. So that's how Tony came to my life. And then some time ago, I was reading her obituary and someone say a critic saying that she, she writes prose as poetry. And so in, in this time of quiet contemplation, I start to Google <laughs> and see, you know, does it mean that she didn't write any poetry? And, you know, and I try to, to find, you know, books, you no know, poetry books, right? It does not exist. Uh, and through very obscure ways, I came to five poems. That uh, is this book with only five poems. <laughs> It's incredible. And, 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 then, and then I thought, it's very, it's very Tony, isn't it? <laughs> She's got five poems and that's it. <laughs> Deal with it. <laughs> and Eve remembering, it resonated in, in a number of layers. And please stop me because I just carry on talking. Please carry on. <laughs> uh, the, the operation went through was a total hysterectomy. Oh. So there was this dimension of, of the womanhood. So with the hysterectomy, old age came, you know, overnight. You know, I, I got into theater, a woman approaching middle age. I left as an ancient woman. That's how I felt. And I, I started to see the beauty of all that mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, when she says, better the summit to see, I, I think it brings back this, you know, to, to, to see from, with perspective, mm. your own life mm. and your mortality. So there's this very physical aspect. The other aspect is thinking about my mom and my grandma and what they went through as black women in Brazil. And, and actually I come from a, a, a dynasty of women like that. My great, great grandma, my great grandma, my grandma, my mom 
were women that would, I feel, betrayed by the Garden of Eden, of the expectation that being married would solve the problem having a, a companion. So, and, and instead of leaving the, the lie or being defeated by the idea that the, the garden didn't exist, they went into the wilderness as well. So I think that that's one of the many dimensions. And I think that the, the other two, how do you call it? Stanza, Stanza, yeah, yeah. They continue this. And, and I think that the third one is, is the one that I, I think is, I need to, to help myself not to cry again because otherwise it gets a bit silly. Hmm. You know, I'll do it all over again. So there I see my mom that is a, she's a psychotherapist and this woman full of energy, but you know, that became a full-time carer for my, my grandma and, and all the decay that is Brazil right now. But up to today, she says, you know, I'll do it all over again. And there is a Brazilian song that she, she sings, you know, that basically would translate like, I'll do it all over again if it was needed, my beloved. So, and that's what she sings to me and she sings to my, to my sister. And so this start is very strong. Mm. And these dwellers, you know, we be the harbor and set the sail how extraordinary that there's this this actual word for word connection with 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 what Tony's set down and what your mum is is living, you know, um, yeah. that spirit of resilience, endurance, vision. Yeah. Uh, I'm very female vision as well. Yes. The layers of connection are really, you know, it's, that's quite. Striking. I mean, for me, sorry, Michael, just interrupted you. So. I was just going. The only the only thing I was going to add was was how struck I was by I would do it all over again by that lack of regret by that you know yeah. there's there's a the, it somehow encompassed in that is this thing of going you know yes I would live life to its fullest again you know in spite of the fact that maybe things weren't as I might have wanted them to be but there's a there's a dynamism to that there's a kind of a grabbing hold of life in that that I think is just fantastic I mean what I'm getting from your connection to it Maria is the tremendous power of Toni Morrison choosing to kind of rewrite this story you know choosing to say okay so Eve ate the apple (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then let's take a different look at what happened after that. <laughs> I mean, this is epic what this poem is doing, right? It is a, a story that is disturbing in the Bible. You know, Adam was bored, basically. You know? So, yeah, what God is going to do, it's going to take a, <laughs> you know, a part of one of his reads and turn to a woman. It is so demeaning. Mm. Mm. It's a, a universal character of the woman experience the other line that really kind of is this i bit sweet power to the core to the core what a line yeah i kind of know what that is but to kind of hold that idea of power that is so elusive for women and for black women 
particularly to kind of put that into a, a very small physical moment of of tasting it yeah and, and even the words she's chosen to express it it was just like it was hitting me you know i bit sweet power to the core and i i i agree you know we, we if you've got the power, you need to seize at that moment and with urgency because it's going to be taken away from you. That's it. It's that, it's that need to hold it right there, you know. And she, Toni Morrison, that express, you know, your beautiful description of her and her clarity in her work. Yes. And, and, and I think she epitomizes um, excellence, period. It's not black excellence. It's not yeah. woman excellence. No, she epitomizes just like other some very few other people. She optimizes excellence. I think there's something of that idea of excellence. It sort of actually feels like that's in the poem with this idea of the summit. You know, better the summit to scale, better the summit to be. Yeah. I was very struck. You reread this line, be the harbour and set the sail. Loose the breeze and harness the gale. What is it for you? I think that once again, there is a, a there are so many layers, isn't it? It's, it's the big onion. <laughs> so I think that immediately it's, you know, it's, it's the creation, it's the creative process, isn't it? You, you, you nurture it and, you know, and, and then you release it. There's this, this flux of creation, isn't it? That obviously is connected with human creation as well, the, the womb that is the hub and then squeezes and pushes out its creation. Mm. Now, Tony being Tony, I don't think that she would talk only about giving birth. No. I think it's, it's, it's about creation uh, in a wider scale. And the danger that you put yourself, that, that, you know, you necessarily is stepping outside your comfort zone. You've got the breeze and then you harness the gale, you know, you not only expose yourself, but you take command and you harness it to make it work for you. It's, it's very pow powerful. For me, it's a bit of this iterative process that all of us go through in, in, in our occupations as well. I hadn't understood that in that way, Maria. You've really opened that completely up for me now, that, that last stanza. That's brilliant. Thank you. I think you have. And I think everything that you say then lands into that next line, cherish the harvest. Exactly. So I just, as you do that, as you kind of open this onion for us so beautifully and so powerfully, I just want to ask a little bit more about the relationship of, of, of poetry in your life just a little bit more about that and your mom and yes so uh, my my mom she's a, an occupational therapist and psychotherapist my dad he was a teacher maths teacher and he went through a a, rever a revelation to many people surprisingly when i was 5 years old so he decided to to leave that life behind, to become an actor. And then he became a drama teacher. 
And, and that's the first time I'm talking about that. So <laughs> I was not expecting to, but he, he opened up as gay. Oh my gosh. Wow. And, and, and as you can imagine, you know, they, they were very much, you know, what you would expect of black couple excellence. And my, my mom oblivious of all that. And I always knew. And my mom said that my response when she said that they were divorcing, <laughs> I was a very strange child. <laughs> I was always doing my experiments, you know, with anything I would find. And then I told her, I thought it would be a possibility. But he was a gay man. In the, and the fact that my mom never mentioned this. And um, so that's one thing, you know, it does not define, but I think it, it brings a bit of the, the experiences. Mm. And, and, and these are things we don't talk enough about. Mm. And uh, I think that, you know, we should, because we reached a point today that life is so much more open and, and uh, allows these many experiences and possibilities in the human life that we didn't, that, that these people, they didn't have the privilege mm -hmm. of experiencing it without a huge amount of, of guilty, shame for all involved. And much later in life, talking to my mom, my great grandma, my mom's grandma, she went through the same. So you imagine in 19... 30s wow. so i think that a lot of the the way i see life is you know because of the privilege of of knowing the hardship of these experiences mm. but um joy art education literature was always there for and I don't know why, because they were very deprived. There was a lot of um, financial hardship, but there was this obsession with education and, um, and, and reading and arts. So that's uh, how I came about. And I remember that when I turned eight, my, my dad's big present was, um, was a poem that was called My Eight Years from a Very famous Brazilian um, poet. Okay. What I felt as well is that um, because of the way things were, there was, I was not, I was exposed to a lot of classic Brazilian literature made by white men, um, not so much, and some white women. Mm. Uh, and now we've got, you know, a, a lot of black Brazilian women just coming out. Unfortunately, and the the translation to, to English is is a, still a bit slow. Mm. Uh, otherwise, I think I would pay homage and, and choose one of those. Yeah. Okay. I think that the poetry was always there. You know, my mom. You know, her advices and her cuddles always mm. um, reciting poetry. Oh, so it was there. Yeah. Yeah, but I I wouldn't I, I I thought that I had so many emotions inside me that I didn't know exactly how to manage. That it was easy for me to to be the straight, scientific, pragmatic <laughs> one. Gosh, Maria, it's extraordinary to 
to hear your story. From what you've been saying, I get a sense that, that that's one of the things that poetry does for you, is it, it helps you to articulate things. Is that how it is for you? I mean, we always ask this question, you know, if this poem were a friend, what sort of a friend would it be? Yeah, definitely a friend and that um, no-nonsense friend that will tell you as it is and that would give you more than you realise at the moment. I think that we all have friends like this, isn't it? That say things that don't sit in our comfort zone, but, um, or make us remember things, analyze things that uh, at that moment we, we want to, you know, put under the carpet. But it, yeah, I, I think that that's the, the no-nonsense one. The one that's going to tell what you need to listen to even if you don't want to. <laughs> and I'm incredibly grateful to, to this poem. Toni Morrison, Eve Remembering. I tore from a limb fruit that had lost its green. My hands were warmed by the heat of an apple, fire red and humming. I bit sweet power to the core. How can I say what it was like? The taste, the taste undid my eyes and led me far from the gardens planted for a child to wildernesses deeper than any master's call. Now these cool hands guide what they once caressed. Lips forget what they have kissed. My eyes now pull their light, better the summit to see. I would do it all over again. Be the harbour and set the sail. Loose the breeze and harness the gale. Cherish the harvest of what I have been. Better the summit to scale. Better the summit to be. That was Fiona with the gift reading at the end there. Our thanks, of course, to Maria for allowing us to use the conversation and to the Black Mountain Institute for allowing us to use that extraordinary poem. Yeah, absolutely. What a wonderful opportunity it was to meet Maria and to have the conversation and to be introduced, as I was certainly, I think you were too, to that poem. Mm, yeah. And to the fact that Toni Morrison wrote this one collection of poetry. It's really hard to believe, isn't it, that it was just that? Well, I'm sure she wrote probably more, but that's what was published, I guess. I don't know. Uh, it'd be interesting to find out. But, you know, she's such a... I think when you read her novels, huge sections of them are like poems, and the prose is so 
multi-layered and vivid and yeah dreamlike and I think yeah of course Toni Morrison wrote poetry and of course what poems she wrote and I feel uh you know in lots of ways the conversation and the poem and the introducing to us of the poem uh, is an absolute classic example of why this project has been steadily addictive for all the gifts that it brings. Talking of that, Fee, you've just put me in mind of, of a podcast that we were guests on, mm. uh, which is available for people to listen to if they wanted to get more of you and I babbling on about poetry. <laughs> it's the Listening Books podcast, and it's with Jessica Stone, who we uh, spoke to couple of months ago on ours the the, the favour was reciprocated and we had a really lovely conversation with Jess so if you would like to hear that we'll put a link to it in the description fantastic so Michael something extraordinary is going to happen in the next few months which is that you and I and various other members of the Poetry Exchange clan are going to be out and about meeting some people in person, inviting people to talk about the poem that's been a friend to them, actually in a room somewhere. Absolutely, yeah, the first time of doing that in person since, well, I guess it's going to be nearly two years actually mm. for you, isn't it? Best mm. part of two years. So yeah, we're going to be at the Birmingham Midland Institute on October the 1st and the 2nd, and then at the National Centre for Writing in Norwich, on October the 29th and the 30th. So if you are around either Birmingham on October the 1st and 2nd or Norwich on October the 29th and the 30th and you would like to talk to us about a poem that's been a friend to you, go onto our events page uh, on the website uh, poetryexchange.co.uk and on the events page there you will see all of the details you'll need to get booking for either Birmingham or Norwich and we'd love to see you there. And for those of you that aren't in those vicinities we're aiming for another online in the company of poems so that will also be on our events page yeah in, in the company of poems if you haven't caught that before that's uh, that's an online event that we've done only once before now but where we read a collection of poems with some some friends and uh, and some invited guests alongside us and how long was it last time it was just over an hour I think about an hour, yeah. Have we got a date for that one? We have. It's November the 19th. November the 19th for An Evening in the Company of Poems. I don't think it's on sale yet, but keep your eyes peeled on the website and on all the usual places. We'll, uh, we'll give out more information on that as we have it. And I'm just suddenly thinking of all the things that are coming up, Michael. <laughs> if, anybody's got, if anybody's got any more time in their life for some more <laughs> poetry exchange-related events, um, the phenomenal Ballet Black, Then or Now, piece that we worked on with Adrian Rich's poetry as part of the extraordinary score, also featuring the phenomenal violinist Daniel Pioro, choreographed by William Tuckett, with the fabulous dancers of Ballet Black, is getting out on the road and it's uh, at various venues London York and Manchester are the ones I know about and if you head to Ballet Black's uh, website you'll be able to find ways to book yourself a seat if you're quick 
Very good. Lots to cover in the roundup today, Fee. Well done. That's <laughs> <laughs> because we've been away. That's it. We're sort of backed up I with know. things to share. I know. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we'll leave it there, shall we, Fee? I think so. I think so. It's nice to be back. We'll be back with you next month with more Poems as Friends. Until then, thank you for listening. Thank you.